Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? And does this smell good? Wolfing down your lunch. Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Luke. Hey, boy. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. We are live from the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center, Big Red Monday, and now it is time for Wolfing Down Your Lunch. Aaron Maloney is here. Aaron? So the Arizona Cardinals fell to 3-6 and six on the season following their 31-21 loss to the Seahawks yesterday. So when you guys look at the game, what is the one thing that really stands out to you? The eight pre-snap penalties. I I can't get past that. I mean, that that's before the game is even being played eight different times. That's happening. And it's going to happen a couple times. I think the Seahawks had two. If I went back and looked through it all, and it was I don't recommend anybody does that. It was the most depressing thing to do, go back and look play-by-play play for the pre-snap penalties. But that's what stands out to me. Yeah, you know, just the fact that the mistakes the Arizona Cardinals made, they just literally um, impeded their chances of winning a game and made it almost impossible. That, to me, drove me nuts. The penalties that you commit, the things you do illegal before the snap of the ball and after the whistle, um, those things, that is the definition of beating yourself, and that's exactly what the Arizona Cardinals did yesterday. So our Sanderson Ford poll question is up now at ArizonaSports.com. It asks, after Sunday's loss to Seattle, has the ship sailed on the Cardinals making the playoffs? So your choices are yes, 3-6 and six is too deep a hole, or no, the NFC is still wide open. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to say no. The NFC is still wide open, but um, I, I said it before. I'll continue to say it. These three games, including Seattle, what happened yesterday, the L.A. game coming up against the Rams in L.A., and then, of course, Mexico City against the 49ers, those three games were going to determine the future, I thought, of the Arizona Cardinals season. Guess what? They had to win two of those three games, in my opinion. They've lost one. Now they got to win two back-to-back. The odds of doing that, not very high, not very good. Yeah, if the question is, are they still in it, they're still in it. I don't think they're making the playoffs, though. So I will vote yes that they are yeah. still in it. Three, three and six. You're not. You're not done at three and six. But I. I just don't. This team doesn't look like they're going to win two games in a row, and they're going to basically have to win six of the last eight to have any chance. What are they at? The eight games left. Yeah, six of the last eight to have any shot. And I just don't see them doing that. If they prove me wrong, I will gladly be proven wrong on the air. So ninety four percent say yes. Three and six is too deep a hole, and then six percent say no. The NFC is still wide open. Oh, it's nine. 94-6. Okay. Frank Reich is out as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts after a 3-5-1 start to the season. He had a 40-33-1 record after five seasons with the team. The Colts are naming Jeff Saturday as their interim head coach. Wow. 
Is that the question right there? I mean, just, just your reaction. <laughs> I mean, your reaction to Frank Reich. I know he's wow. one of your friends, but then also Jeff Saturday. That's the more shocking thing. You hire a guy that wasn't even coaching with your team. He was just on ESPN. Like I feel like earlier today I saw him. That's more shocking than Frank Reich getting let go because it, it kind of felt like when they made the switch away from Matt Ryan, that was sort of the Hail Mary. Maybe Sam Ellinger can come in and save yeah. Frank Reich's job, and he could not. Yeah, that tells me that Frank Reich probably sold ownership on the fact that, hey, listen, you know what? This guy, Matt Ryan, I'll tell you, bring him into our offense with Jonathan Taylor. We'll be throwing the ball all over the place. That's exactly what I thought was going to happen. There was just one problem. Matt Ryan's arm was done. And that is a un- problem for yeah, quarterbacks. Un- unfortunately, that was proven. Um, Jeff Saturday, though, as an analyst, being hired, um, that tells me that ownership doesn't believe in any of the coaches that are on the staff, doesn't believe any of them to bring an outsider in to actually finish the season. Phoenix Suns forward Cam Johnson limped off the court Friday night against the Blazers, and the team announced he will undergo surgery on a meniscus tear in his right knee. So with surgery, the recovery period could take months. So a two-parter for you guys. What do you think of how the Suns will handle this news? And then, you think they'll call Jay Crowder? I think you I have would. to at least call him, right? <laughs> Don't you? I mean, if, if they're not... If you were Jay Crowder, would you want to come back? Yeah. Yeah, because there's no, there's not any other amazing option. Other like his best case scenario is going to be playing for Oklahoma City when they're tanking at the end of the season for Wembenyama. That's going to be his best case scenario at this point. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that he's not already on the team and he's not playing against Philadelphia tonight is making me think they're not going to call him. Yeah, I would call him definitely. I would call him right now. Now listen, we don't know the personal issues. We don't know what happened. We don't know what transpired. He was supposed to tell us at some point, wasn't he? Why? Yes. You know, at some point, I think after he got traded, that is going to be it right there. But did they make a phone call to Jay Crowder? They had to. Right? James Jones? Right? Otherwise, what happened? This is more than him just uh, wanting to be the starter because that spot's open right now. So if you're not calling him, then what he said through Chris Haynes a couple weeks ago, if there's more to it than that, sure looks like it's it's true at this point, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks like something personal happened well, inside that locker That's what room. I was going to say, because with how he's acting, I mean, there was that video that he posted on Instagram during the offseason where he had blurred out the Suns logo. On his shirt. Yeah. So clearly there's something personal that went down. Yeah. So what is it? And was it a big enough deal for him not to answer the son's calls? And if they want him back. Yeah, I don't know about that, Mel. I really don't. If you ask me to speculate. Yeah, um, I have theories. You know, I think Jay Crowder probably got in somebody's face inside of the locker room, challenged somebody, did it in a very overt kind of way. This is just pure guess, pure speculation but so here. far, so but far, it all t- makes sense, what you're saying. I'm just saying, and then all of a sudden, um, okay, Jay, that's enough out of you. 
you said something to the wrong guy. And because of that, we can't bring you back in with the chemistry and the culture that we have inside this locker room. Then why not say that in July or mid-June when the season, when the finals were over, or mid-May when the Suns season was over? Hey, it's been great having Jay here, but we're going to part ways. Because it was internal, Luke. Because it was personal. Why wait till August? You don't want to tell other teams out there that Jay Crowder might get personal with somebody. I think people know. (laughs) They watch Jay Crowder. He might get personal with you. Some insolence from Crowder. All right. uh, That was Wolfing Down Your Lunch. Thank you, Aaron. Smashing Pumpkins. Jane's Addiction are coming to the Footprint Center for the Spirits on Fire Tour November 18th. Head to the contest page now on ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. When we come back, all right, what can the Cardinals change? What should they be looking at doing differently after a 3-6 and start to the season? We're going to discuss that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Big Red Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. All right, three and six. Hard Knocks starts Wednesday, Wolf. The cameras have been rolling, though, and they were certainly rolling throughout that game yesterday and through the uh, the week leading up to that game. I'm a little torn now. I mean, I'm obviously going to watch it. I was a lot more excited about it yeah. <laughs> prior to this when you know they were hovering around 500 to start the season. Uh, now, three games below 500. Something is going to have to change. Obviously, the biggest noise from the fan base is fire the head coach. I don't think that that would solve everything. I really don't. Um, but I understand that you need something to change. And that is that is where I'm, I'm with everybody. Whatever it is, something's got to change. You can't just say, oh, we're going to just keep doing this. We're going to practice harder because it's not working. Yeah. You know, for me right now, I just want to say this. I believe Cliff Kingsbury deserves the right to finish this season. That's what I believe right there. That's just my opinion. Fans, you have your opinion. You have the right to your opinion right now. Um, well, if I were, I said it earlier, if I were Michael Bidwell, I would go ahead and say, you know what? We're going to give him the second half of the season here. We're going to allow him to go ahead and finish. We didn't sign him to a willy-nilly five-year extension. We didn't believe it was willy-nilly, and that's the reason why we signed him to that extension. So we're going to let him. He deserves the right to finish this season, and then at the end of the season, we'll address the issue. That was, you know, my stance on Cliff has been Pretty consistent since the end of last season, and when I was hosting the post game show too. So I was getting all the calls last season, even when they just started yeah. to lose. When they were before the playoffs, people were like, "Okay, he's got to go," and it's like, "All right, he's not going to go when they're ten and three. <laughs> he's not going to go." Um, my stance last year and my stance with you when we found out right before the show that day that they were giving Cliff a five year extension. My, my stance has been the same. His improvement year over year, the first three years, earned him the right to coach this year, and nothing beyond this year. Whatever he does this year, so I wouldn't have given him a five-year extension. That's not, I've been saying that since the second it happened, Uh, but at the end of last year and people are like, he's got to be fired, I would have given him this year. And ironically, his contract went through this year. So you give him this year, but you can't you can't blanketly say no matter what, he's safe forever. 
You, you can't. Because, sure. because five years of this, the fan base will be like eight people if it's the no. same thing for the next five years. Just, just know this right here, that if in fact it was a name that everybody knew, if it was a name that was involved in the National Football League and had been around the National Football League for a while, anyone who won five, eight, and 11 games, even with the collapse, even with the playoff, they would have been rewarded with a new contract extension. That's probably true. They would have. It's because Cliff is hated by the NFL Anadi, as we all know. Um, for it's the different, five years, though, for too. For different reasons. Yeah, it is. But, you know, what is that to you? What is it to you that, you know, he got a five-year extension? It's you nothing to me. He gets the guaranteed money. Good for Cliff. Well, but it goes back to what you said earlier. If, if you come out as a team and say, hey... Stop questioning the coach. He's going to be here this year. Look at what he's done the last three years. That's what I would do. But I would also say, like you said earlier, that doesn't guarantee he's here past this year. That's where, as a fan, I'm 100% with you. If you're like, dude, we're locked into this for five and a half more years. If, as a fan, you believe it's Cliff's fault, or honestly, if you believe it's Kime's fault, or Kyler's fault, or a combination of the three, as a Cardinals fan, you're looking and saying, well, just wait till 2028 then. That's not... (laughs) You're not going to be able to ask your fan base to do that if things don't change. Maybe they can change. They're going to have to try to change something here, though. Yeah, like changing. Now. Exactly. Changing something. Let's get back to it. If I were Cliff, I would try to have somebody somebody else call the place. Not because Cliff can't do it. Not because Kyler is struggling. Not because uh, the offense isn't going or clicking the way that you thought it was going to. But because Anything is worth a try at this point in time. Anything is worth a try. Um, that's one of the things I appreciate him about, uh, appreciate the most about Cliff is he's not dogmatic. It's not do or die. It's not a situation where it's Chip Kelly. It's going to be my way or the highway, period. He isn't. He's open to suggestion. No doubt about that. Um, and I like that, that he isn't dogmatic about it. I would try it. We didn't get to this before because we just kind of ran out of time when we were talking about Robbie Anderson, but there was that story that Ian Rappaport had yesterday before the games that several teams called the Cardinals about DeAndre Hopkins at the trade deadline. And why wouldn't you, right? um, The fact that the Cardinals didn't trade him, which they shouldn't, shows that they're still all in on this year. The trade deadline was not four weeks ago. The trade deadline was, what, last week? It was only last week. So at 3-5, and five, they're still all in on this year. I would assume at 3-6, and six, you're still all in on this year. And that is that is why you're going to have to mix something up. Even if, it's, even if it's relatively minor, just try something a little bit different, like you're saying. And I also think, too, for Cliff, it would be um, beneficial. I think it would offer some perspective. Just, again, even if it's on a temporary basis, just stepping away from the process and getting a little bit of separation, maybe it gives them a little insight into some of the things they're doing. And um, maybe that's exactly what he needs. It's not like the offense is clicking. They're not. So... Yeah, they're better with D-Hop back in the lineup. There's no denying that. But, yeah, I think, you know what, it might give him a little time and space for him to collect his thoughts. What you're talking about right there, from just drawing on your experience as a former player, switching up the play calling, if they just did that, is there any way that gets rid of these pre-snap penalties? And we, we didn't see them have to burn timeouts early in the game this week. That went away, yeah. but they just kept getting false starts. So it's kind of the same thing, just from a different angle. Yes, to answer your okay. question, the reason why I say that with certitude is because it's a different brain. 
whoever's calling the plays, it's a different brain. And it's a different brain with a different voice actually talking to Kyler Murray. Once again, I just it seems like it's stagnant, the offense, for a number of different reasons right now. And I think even Cliff would admit that and has admitted that. Yeah. Uh, they have underachieved. At some point in time, if you're going to continue to lose games and the offense is going to continue to underachieve, you got to go ahead and try to change something up, I would imagine. That's the only reason. Like I said, not because Cliff can't do it, not because Kyler needs a change, not because the the offense is not clicking, just because it's different. Yeah, there's something different. It's something completely different. You're four, why, why wouldn't you try? 4-11 and 11 in your last 15 games going back to last year. 4-11 and 11 counting the playoff game. Uh, yeah, look, we've Cliff's going to join us in about an hour, eh, 1.45. We've asked him the play-calling question multiple times yes. on this show. Uh, but he is going to join us at 1.45. Um, he did say after the game yesterday he still believes in his team. Yeah, I mean, I believe in this team. Um, I, I don't think we played great complimentary football. I don't think we played close to how good we can play, and, and we got to find a way to get there soon. Um, but they're going to continue to fight, and we have another div- division opponent next week that we got to get up for. Biggest thing for me, Wolf, he also talked about how they need to fix these self-inflicted wounds. Yeah, it's something we have to all uh, look at as a staff, as um, a team, because it's, it's hurting us. I mean, I haven't been around this through this many games where it continues to show up. And, and um, so we'll continue to talk through it and try to find ways to, to get it fixed. I, it just it, it, that to me is the most maddening thing. You know, I get that Seattle is a good story this year and, and good for them. Not really. I'm sick of the Seahawks. But I didn't come away from that game really learning a whole lot about the Seahawks because the Cardinals took eight pre-snap penalties. So I'm sure Seattle did good things, but it's hard for me to, to truly evaluate that team when the Cardinals, before the play even starts, are like, we'll just back up five yeah. more. What was There was the drive where they got it to third and three, took a false start to third and eight, a false start to third and 13, had to punt and got holding as the punting team. Yes. Yes. That was uh, my, brutal. My head exploded it's a on that brutal sequence. Stretch right there. No, they did. They they had so many mistakes, and I'm sorry, but when you start talking about mistakes like that, look directly at the player. See, most people would Nowhere say coach. Else. Most people would expect Heck you to no. say coach. Heck no! You got to be kidding me! Before the ball, you have eight penalties. You got to be kidding me! You have eight penalties before the ball is actually snapped. Get your mind right. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. Back to basketball. Suns playing tonight in Philadelphia. How big of a loss is Cam Johnson for this team? We're going to ask Suns broadcaster for Valley Sports. Kevin Ray joins us for Game Day with K-Ray next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Cash it in from the corner. Wolf and Luke brings the bull head catching bodies on his way to the rack. Sons game day with K Ray. I'm ready for whatever. I'm ready for whatever. And the Suns right back at it tonight in Philadelphia. Wolf starting a four-game East Coast road trip through Philadelphia, Minnesota, Orlando, and Miami. It'll wrap up Miami a week from today. But in Philadelphia, sounds like the Sixers might get Joel Embiid for this one tonight. Suns won't have Cam Johnson. Kevin Ray of Bally Sports joining us right now for game day with K-Ray. K, how's it going, man? 
Going well, guys. Going well. Uh, let's start, obviously, with the biggest news over the weekend. Cam Johnson getting hurt, torn meniscus, having surgery, no set timeline for his return, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be anytime soon. Um, in your mind, who who is most likely in line to, to have to pick up that slack? I mean, you know, it, it's going to have to be a, a collective um and it's yeah, it's truly unfortunate, you know, for for Cam. This is just another one of those, you know, gut punch moments where he was just starting to kind of, I think, get comfortable in that starter's role. You know, he'd averaged twenty one points a game over the previous three, and just like like he was kind of figuring things out. And it's just, uh, it's a tough blow for him, and it's uh, certainly a tough blow for the Suns. But look, every team experiences injuries, and they. You know they're going to have to figure it out, but yeah, as you point out, it's it's not going to be it's not going to be a short term issue. Uh, so my uh, my guess is that James Jones. Uh, has been on the phone through the weekend and trying to see, uh, you know, what what makes sense, what's available, what they could do. Um, but when, when you lose your best three point shooter in a league that is so heavily, uh, you know, influenced by the three, that's uh, that's a tough one to absorb. So you mentioned it right there, James Jones. You think he picks up the phone and calls Jay Crowder? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, and who knows? Maybe, maybe the the phone call came into James' office. Uh, you know, as we as we pointed out, you know, the the Suns were not the ones who who drew the line in the sand. I mean, I've I've always kind of held the belief that, you know, if Jay picked up the phone and called and said, you know, okay, let's talk, I think the Suns would be more than willing to you know to have that conversation with him. Um, I know his teammates would, you know, would hold no ill will and and welcome him back. Um, so. So, you know, as, as a general manager, you know, my, my guess is there are both outbound calls and inbound calls that James has been dealing with. Talking to Kevin Ray, it's uh, game day with K Ray here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. K, just following up on that, I mean, if if I'm Jay Crowder, why am I not calling the Suns right now? You're talking about a team that's seven and two that has a distinct opening in the starting lineup right now, and and there's minutes available. I mean, he gets along with his teammates here. Why why isn't he calling? Can we call him? I mean, you guys know this, and Wolf, you know this, you know better than anybody, having played professional sports. I mean. Pride, you know, pride can make people do crazy, silly, stupid things. Um, and, you know, pride, arrogance, uh, call, call it what you want. But, you know, sometimes uh, a prideful man doesn't make the best decisions. And, you know, I, I would like to think that, uh, that that Jay is smart enough to understand that. But I'm not in his shoes. I uh, don't understand, you know, what, what he feels he is experiencing. Um, but, I mean, couldn't ask for a better scenario, to your, to your point. I mean, you know, I've always been kind of puzzled by the whole situation to begin with. You're, you're on a team that you've had a huge influence in helping turn around. You're playing in a city you love. You're playing for a fan base that loves you. Uh, new facilities, uh, you know, training facilities. It just every every box seems to be checked for why he should be here in uniform. But there's one box that remains unchecked, and until that one does. Uh, 
I'm, I'm just not sure what the, the thinking and logic is. Yeah, I'm with you on that one right there, Kevin. Um, okay, 76ers are off to a rough start right now. Four and six on the season. Is Joel Embiid going to play tonight because he was sick? Yeah, I, I, I've gotten the feeling in talking to a couple of people that, that he will play. He tried to go Friday night, but he's been dealing with the flu. The flu ripped through the organization there. Um, and he, he went through shoot-around, I guess, on Friday morning and then tried to go Friday night before the game. And, and Doc Rivers was the one who really ended up saying, you know, I can't put him out there. Um, I mean, that's, that's a big – that is a big man. And coming off the flu, he just did not have the gas in the tank. But they've had a couple of days off. And – I know he was doing some extra conditioning yesterday after practice, so I would expect to see uh, the big man in the lineup tonight for the Sixers. Talking to Kevin Ray of Bally Sports. K. Ray, what did you make of the Suns' weekend with the loss against Portland where the league basically had to apologize for letting Jeremy Grant moonwalk out of the arena before he took the shot? And then the Suns come back without Cam Johnson, though, and beat him the very next night by 20. Yeah, look, it's... <clears throat> You know, it's the old cliche on any given night. And, um, yes, the, the, the controversial calls were, were hard to swallow, especially considering that call came or non-call came two nights after a similar situation happened with Tyler Hero in Sacramento. But all that being said, you know, Monty and the players all acknowledge, you know, we, we just didn't, we didn't play with the physicality and force that we needed to. I'm sure there was a degree of respect that, you know, went down a notch when you see Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons over there in street clothes talking about 53 points. And and the guys that Chauncey Billups had to lean on came through for him. Uh, so it was, uh, you know, kind of a kind of a costly lesson, but one that um, I know that they were thrilled to be able to, you know, quickly respond to, you know, 24 hours later. If the Suns are going to win tonight. What's the one thing you think will be the tipping point? Well, re- rebounding is is going to be a key. This this Sixers team is not a great rebounding team, and I, I think this is this is really a game that. DA, I mean, look, there's always going to be, when you're talking about comparing big men and everything, because DA's a big man, he's going to get, you know, lumped into that. Uh, tonight, I think, presents a golden opportunity for DA, who, you know, hasn't put up big numbers against uh, the Sixers and Joel Embiid. I, I think tonight presents a golden opportunity for DA to have one, you know, one of those big double-double games, you know, if he can get 26 and 14 rebounds couple block shots. Um, but to me, that's the key is, you know, controlling the glass and then getting out in transition because going back to the injury with Cam, now, you know, early offense, easy buckets become that much more important. Kevin Ray, great stuff as always, man. Thank you for the time. Thanks, Keg. All right, boys. Enjoy your Monday. That's uh, game day with K. Ray right there. Kevin Ray, Valley Sports, calling in on the Arizona Sports Line. Dario Saric, by the way, in that game on Saturday, nine points in 21 minutes. Nine and nine in 21 minutes. Love seeing him, man. Dario, grow strong, grasshopper. He, he had not played much at all this season. I think he had played, 
what, 17 total minutes before that game. So good to see Dario back out there. Uh, text Devils to 620-620 for your chance to win VIP field and tailgate passes to see ASU take on the Oregon State Beavers, courtesy of Bar S. That's Devils to 620-620. All right, when we come back, which stats from Cardinal Seahawks tell the story of the loss? There's really four in particular, and we'll tell you what they are next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports league. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Big Red Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Welcome back to the show. Cliff Kingsbury will join us in an hour, as he does every Big Red Monday. So we will be talking to Coach about uh, quite a few of the questions that I think we all have. Um, Although, also a lot of those questions, to be fair, we have asked over the last few weeks. So, unfortunately, things are not changing much for the Cardinals. There's a couple stats that really stood out from the game yesterday, Wolf. And, you know, some weeks the the stats don't tell the story, and some weeks they do. I have four I want to throw at you, okay? Okay. One of them I've thrown at you about 50 times already. The eight pre-snap penalties on the Cardinals. Mind mind numbing right there. It really is. The 4-11 record now over the last 15 games. That's that's going back to last year. It's going back to last December. The Cardinals are 4-11 in their last 15. That is like top five pick territory, which... Yes, this year is different than last year, but that accounts for the random whoever whoever flipped the switch from on to off last year, right in the middle of the season. These ones, though, are specific to yesterday. Seven straight third down conversions for Seattle in the second half of that game when yeah. this one was decided. Yes. And um, if you look at the last two weeks, you and I were talking about this before the show. We haven't got to say it on the air yet, though. Minnesota and Seattle are 9-for-9 nine nine in the red zone as far as scoring a touchdown against the Cardinals over the last two weeks. So as much as we are all appreciative of what the defense has done this season, and again, they scored a touchdown again yesterday. That's not their job. They've scored three in the last three weeks. If you're just going by the defense, the Cardinals should probably have three more wins this season than they have. They probably should have beat Seattle the first time, maybe Philadelphia, and probably the Rams those, uh, in, in, all back in, uh, in October and late September. But the red zone defense and the third down defense is not getting it done right now. No, it is not. But once again, I want to go back to beating themselves because this has been a problem. The Arizona Cardinals continue to do this. It came to a head yesterday just looking at this. Eight pre-snap penalties. That is the definition of beating yourself right there. The definition of beating yourself is you doing illegal things before the snap and after the whistle. (laughs) That right there, before the snap and after the whistle, you doing illegal things out on a football field. You do it eight times, that is the definition of beating yourself. So, from the ASU perspective last year, this is what made it so brutal. When the Sun Devils would just take a 15-yard penalty after they made a stop on 3rd and 13. And it was like, okay, yeah, we're getting off the field. No, we're going to take a penalty. And it it would just be a dumb penalty over and over and over again. And to me, that is a lack of discipline. Like, they would just take personal foul penalty. This, I feel like there needs to be a different word than discipline. It just it seems like a lack of cohesiveness because it's not like the Cardinals were taking stupid 15-yard personal foul penalties after they had made a stop yesterday. They couldn't even start the play. It was more yeah. just like a lack of cohesiveness. This is uh, this is fully on the player right here. I'm sorry. That's what it is. I'm a former player. Take responsibility for your own junk. Will you do that, my young crunk brothers? There's a little life lesson in there for 
from your Uncle Ron. Just go ahead and be responsible for yourself. Be responsible and take responsibility for things you do and the mistakes you make. Um... This is on the player when you have that kind of output. Eight penalties, eight pre-snap penalties. This is something you can try to fix in practice as well. You can try to do this in practice. Um, You can start collecting fines for mistakes that are made in practice, right? You have the kangaroo court. You start collecting fines on these guys. You're only doing it to highlight. You're not really doing it to punish somebody. You're just doing it to make a point of it. Start practicing with more intensity as well. Oh, that they could do probably. Start demanding that intensity. Start yelling with more intensity out on the field. Um, Start cutting guys at the bottom of your roster that are not practicing with intensity. That is that is Bill Belichick. That is so Bill Belichick. That is something that he engaged in and did often. Make an example of somebody that isn't going to be essential anyway, basically, in your eyes. Exactly right. It's it's strange because some weeks we hear, oh, yeah, it was a great week of practice, or this isn't an issue in practice. We're not having a hard time getting set up in and practice. And sometimes you cut your franchise quarterback and Bernie Kosar. <laughs> Can we bring Bernie Kosar in? Mid-season. Okay, so well, this is saying, why Belichick is Belichick that, and nobody else is. But but understand what happened with that. That that's sent in Bill just being Bill churning the bottom part of the roster right there. Sometimes it was a pretty good player. And what kind of message did that send to everybody else who might have been a backup like me, right? <laughs> and yet, you know, hey, that was a pretty good teams player right there you let go. He would do it for a fact so much of the time. Why? Because the intensity level immediately went up. It didn't send out the all is well bell. It sent out the all is not well. And for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. Well, they may have to start doing stuff like that because you don't have a ton of options. You, you don't have the trade deadline to say, okay, we're going to make this move if, if we need. You don't have DeAndre Hopkins coming back to point two anymore. He's back. He played three games. He was great the first two. He was looked really good yesterday, and they went away from him. Uh, but he should have, even though they went away from him, Wolf, he still should have had two touchdowns, if not for that yeah. false start penalty on Robbie Anderson. Uh, but he's back, and, and it's it's resulted in. In one win and two losses. So basically the same clip you were winning at before then. The offense looks better, but it doesn't look right. And, you know, you're not going to get Hollywood Brown back anytime soon. I don't think Hollywood Brown, as much as I really want to see that duo on the field together, just because it opens up some possibilities, I don't think that suddenly translates into wins either. It doesn't matter who you have on your team. We could sit here and for the next five minutes say, okay, let's handpick the best players off of every team in the NFL. If you can't get the snap off without getting a penalty or without snapping it 10 feet over your quarterback's head, it doesn't really matter who's on your team. So once again, blame the coach for that. Is that what you're saying? That's not what I'm saying. Oh, that's not what you're saying. That's I, I, you know, I'm just I'm saying collectively was, you got to do something. I was being a little facetious uh, right there. Because facetious again, on a Monday? Well, listen, personal <laughs> responsibility, again, it's something that you have to have. Players need to keep each other accountable. It's one of the things that we used to do. You know, it's one of the reasons why you'll get guys walking up to other guys and yelling at them. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're not You're not focused. Come off the ball. What do you... 
I mean, this is this is exactly the kind of thing that happens on a sideline. You challenge each other. You're talking about a bunch of hyper aggressive alpha males. <laughs> they they get in each other's face from time to time, and they're going to yell at each other. We saw it. As a matter of fact, with Kyler Murray and D Hop. We saw them over there doing it. I don't know if if that was a contentious argument between Kyler or D-Hop or more of an explanation that was done with gesticulation and some intensity from Kyler. It didn't look... At least to me, it didn't look all that contentious. It has been pointed out he really didn't target him much after that in the game. Yeah, I know. But he did throw a touchdown to him that got called back. I sure. mean, I, I just, I think that, I don't know. I, I think that Kyler Murray yelling at DeAndre Hopkins on the sidelines is like 157th on the list of problems the Cardinals have right now. I don't totally think it's anything. Totally agree with that, Luke. Um, but where I am getting a little concerned is more than concerned. I get a lot of the fan bases like, get rid of Cliff. Okay. I don't think I don't think it's one person anymore. I think this is a problem that's seeping through the entire team at this point, with the exception of like like honestly, who do you trust to make plays on Sunday? Who do you trust to have the team ready? Who do you trust on the team to be ready? Because right now for me it's like Buddha Baker, DeAndre Hopkins. Jalen Thompson, there's probably a couple other guys. Yeah. And I may be exaggerating here a little bit for effect, but collectively, when they got the ball, that's what they had the stretch after the opening touchdown they had, I think it was nine yards over the next three drives. Yeah. In, the, in the third quarter, they had negative two yards. There was a stretch in the second half where the Seahawks had two touchdowns, the Cardinals' defense had a touchdown, and the Cardinals' offense had negative two total yeah. yards going into the fourth quarter. I would throw in J.J. Watt as well. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I, you know, we've talked so much about hard knocks. And how exciting it's going to be. I wonder if it's going to give us some answers. You never know because it's so creatively edited. I'm going to have to watch it because I, I never watch it. And now I'm going to have to watch it. Now, I, Yeah, now I want to see what's going on behind the scenes because I have questions at this point. It doesn't make sense for this team to be 3-6. and six. It, it really doesn't with the talent uh, that they have. All right, we come back. What was Dave Burns' reaction to the Cardinals' 31-21 loss to the Seahawks yesterday? We're going to ask him next. Some big red crosstalk. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.